Good evening, good evening, good evening, my friends, and welcome to a brand new episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcast, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And tonight's episode is entitled, There's Always a Twist. And believe you me, with the two radio plays featured tonight, (laughs) that is an understatement. (laughs) So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are the short-lived 1946 anthology series, Dark Venture, sometimes known as Mystery Playhouse, and the 80s Canadian radio series, Nightfall. Our first radio play tonight is entitled, The Border, and that was first broadcasted on Dark Venture in 1946. Following that is the radio play, Dark Side of the Mind, and that was first broadcasted on Nightfall on February 23rd, 1981. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Border, followed by Dark Side of the Mind. Good evening, Creep. Welcome to the Mystery Playhouse. Creeps over the minds of mortal men come many shadows. Shadows of greed and hate, jealousy and fear. Darkness is the absence of light. So on the sudden shadows which fog the minds of men and women come the strange impulses which urge them into the unknown. Listen now to The Border, tonight's Mystery Playhouse presentation of Dark Venture. Marge was a sweet kid. We might have become very good friends if we hadn't made the mistake of getting married. At the end of the first year, I was ready to throw him a towel. I was really tired of the whole thing. When she'd come home from work and chatter about everything under the sun, I tried so hard not to yawn in her face. Darling, you know the front bedroom? Well, it's just going to waste, and today at work, I thought of a way to get us some extra money. Her voice bored me, her face bored me, her hair, everything about her. I was her. thinking of putting an ad in the paper and running the room until you can get on your feet again. All the time she talked, I kept imagining how swell it would be just to get up and go through the door and never come back. Money would pay our grocery bill and... Oh, honey, you weren't even listening to me. Huh? Oh, sorry, I, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Since you're such a deep thinker, my sweet, I'll pay you a whole nickel for your thoughts. Save your money, baby. If I told you what I was thinking, you'd want a refund. I wanted to leave with all my heart. But where would I go? I was down to borrowing quarters from old friends and stealing dimes from my wife's purse. So I let things slide. That's why I'm in this mess. But you see, if I'd left then, I wouldn't have bumped into the old guy a week later. Yeah, there he was, in our apartment, fiddling around with the door to the front bedroom. Oh, afternoon. You must be Mr. Jordan. Yeah, that's right. What's uh, going on here? I'm Mr. Hawkins, new boarder. Mm -hmm. Yes, rented the room this morning before your wife went to work. 
Answer to the ad, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I remember saying something about it. But uh, what are you doing to that door? Oh, installing the double lock? I asked her wife. She said she didn't mind. Well, she may not mind, but I do. Why do you need a double lock? I have my reasons, Mr. Jordan. You do, huh? Well, I don't like the idea myself. Neither my wife or I would touch anything you've got. Oh, it's not that. I don't want you putting a lock on that door. Well, sure how. That's right. All right, Mr. Jordan. I'll find another way. Another way for what? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, man, screwy little word, if, can really drive you nuts. If I'd been listening to Mars that first night, I wouldn't have let her rent that room. And if the old man hadn't been there when I came in, I wouldn't have gotten sore and left the house before Marge got home. I wouldn't have gone down to Jerry's bar. I wouldn't have met Ruthie. She was at the telephone when I came in. Then she started walking toward us. Well, still no answer, Jerry. There's nothing to show up. Better luck next time, Ruthie. That's a lot of propaganda. Next time, it'll be just like this time. When I was born, the eight ball business started booming. <laughs> Don't take it so hard. Uh, Jerry, I think what the lady needs is a stimulant. Who asked you what I need? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. What I need is a bottle of strychnine and some nerves. That was Ruthie. And there was something about her right from the start that pressed a button in my brain. I forgot Marge and how bored I was and old man Hawkins who tried to put a padlock on his door. I forgot everything but Ruthie. Then, about a month after we'd met, we were back in that same bar again. It was almost closing time. There was something wrong. I, I could feel it. Ralph, I, I think the word is out. Reader's vein or something for what I want to tell you. Huh? I'm leaving town next week. Where are you going, Lucy? Out west. Maybe L.A., maybe Frisco. But why? Because I've been battered around so much, I'm punch drunk. Because I promised myself I'd never let it happen again, and it's happening. What's happening? I'm falling in love with the wrong guy. You. Ruthie, don't go away, please. I'll go crazy if you go away. But I am. In a week, like I said. But, uh, if something comes up before then that would give me a reason for staying, well, uh, feel free to telephone. Well, she left. There wasn't a thing I could do about it. I wanted to bust the whole world right in that jaw. What could happen in a week or a month that would do me any good? I was dead broke. I didn't have enough money to follow Ruth to the edge of town. I'm just sitting there thinking. I started getting a funny feeling. Someone was watching me. I looked up quick. It was Mr. Hawkins, our boarder. Oh, hold on. Hi, Mr. Jordan. Hey, what are you doing here? Spying on me? Now, why should I spy on you? Ain't a crime to take a little drink now and then. Just had a few myself. Celebrating. Oh. Well, this place is closing up. You going home? Yeah. Mind if I walk along with you? Do as you like. It's all the same to me. That's the way you want it. Go on. Well, here we are. Up the stairs, eh? I hope you don't tell your missionary I was drinking. You know, some women don't like to rent rooms to tell us a drink. Well, I won't tell her. Someday I won't have to worry about things like that. Someday I'm going to have a sweet little grocery store with rooms in the back and I'll do what I please. Yeah, let me open the front door. Yep, $5,000 all I need. I almost got it. You better be quiet or you'll wake my... You almost got what? 
Uh, what do you think I want that double lock for, huh, Mr. Jordan? I come into my room. I want to show you something. $3,500. Where would you get $3,500? Am I working for 25 years for other people? Am I living in rented rooms all my life? Now, look at here, Mr. Jordan. Right here in this pressure drawer here. Now, if you don't believe me, look at here. $3,500. Nobody knows about it. You wouldn't know about it either. <laughs> I wasn't so drunk. $3,500. Yes, fellas really do things with this kind of money, eh, Mr. Jordan? I went to bed. Marge is sleeping soundly. I closed my eyes, but sleep was a million miles away. If something comes up before then, that'll give me a reason for staying. Well, feel free to telephone. $3,500. We could go away together. All the bloodhounds in the world couldn't find us. Ah, oh, that wasn't true. No man would make a bigger noise than Bikini. The nab is quick. I looked at the little luminous clock that stood in the dresser. Ten after three. A fellow could really do things for this kind of money, eh, Mr. Jordan? Well, to get the money, I'd just about have to cut his throat. I couldn't stay in bed any longer. Got up and went to the old man's door. Now, listen... There wasn't a sound. $3,500. And it was so close. Yeah, what was that? I turned quickly and... And I wanted to sink through the floor. Marge was there. In the dark hallway. Watching me. I, uh, I couldn't sleep. I, I was just going to ask the old man if he had some cigarettes. I said I was... Hey, what, what's wrong with you? Marge? Start laughing. I wanted to laugh till the tears ran down my eyes and cheeks. I found asleep. And I remember that before we were married, she jokingly mentioned something about sleep, wasn't it? My year of married life had never happened before. I had other things to worry about. The funny thing, my last conscious thought before I fell asleep was this She walks in her sleep. Marge about her sleepwalking at breakfast. She said she hadn't done that since she was a kid. Worried her. I told her there was nothing to worry about, but after she went to work, old man Hawkins, who ate breakfast at the house, shook his head. I don't want to scare you, Mr. Jordan. I'd send your wife to the doctor. About sleepwalking? Ah, it's nothing. I don't know. I knew a fellow once, walked in his sleep. One night, he bumped into a bed where another fellow was sleeping, started beating him up. Huh? Yeah. The next morning, the sleepwalking fellow wakes up all covered with blood and he doesn't remember a thing. I had to put him away. You can believe me or not, Mr. Jordan, but it's the truth. I believe you. Baby, you told me to call if something came up. Well? Does the $3,500 sound like something, Ruthie? Yeah. Oh, but it's still not as important as us being together. We'll be together. Sit tight and be a good girl, sweetheart. Everything's going to be all right. 
I hung up the phone, I saw my fingers were as wet as if I'd dipped them in water. How long would it take me, I wondered? How long would it take me to sell Marge on the idea that in her sleep, she was planning murder? Mr. Hawkins. Mr. Hawkins? Well, why in the world should I be dreaming about him? Well, I don't know. He kept repeating his name over and over again. Something troubling you, Marge? <laughs> Two nights later, the house is very quiet. I went down the hall to Mr. Hawkins' bedroom. I listened. No sound. I started rattling the knobs. Someone might in their sleep when they're trying to get in. Who, who's there? I the door violently. Then I pounded on the door. What do you want? Go away. Then I heard him getting out of bed. I hurried back. I reached our bedroom before he came out in the hall. As I crept into bed again, I thought, Lucy, darling, it won't be long. morning at the breakfast table, the old man acted just as I hoped he would. I hate to bring this up, but... You hate to bring what up, Mr. Hawkins? Well, I'd like to ask your permission once more to put a double lock on my door. A double lock on your door? Why? You folks hear anything unusual last night? What do you mean? Someone tried to break into my room. That's what I mean. Break into your room? That's ridiculous. Who'd want to do that? I don't know. I ain't accusing anybody, you understand. Well, I... Yes? Well, Mrs. Jordan did walk in her sleep that other time, and me? I... Me? Do you think it was me? Well, now, uh, I didn't say that. You most certainly did, Mr. Hawkins. I just want to put a double lock on my door, that's all. Well, you won't put a double lock on your door, Mr. Hawkins. My husband disapproved last time, and I most certainly agree with him. But I... Oh, there's George coming to pick me up. Well, well, maybe it was just my imagination last night. Yes, maybe it was. But no offense meant, Mrs. Jordan. No offense at all. See you folks later. I'm coming, George. The nerve of that old man walked in my sleep. Now, don't get upset. Well, just because I did it once, he must think I... You woke up the last time I walked in my sleep, Ralph. Well, did I walk in my sleep last night? Did I, Ralph? Woke up once. You were gone from the bed. Ralph. Oh, Ralph, what's happening to me? Ruthie? Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to call. I'm getting a little tired. I just didn't hear Ralph. Yeah, it's not going to be much longer now. Uh, you remember we met a guy named George Burroughs down at Jerry's Tavern one night? What's that got? Do you remember him? Well, listen, you go down to Jerry's today and find out where we can get in touch with this Burroughs. That don't make sense. Do what I say, Ruthie. Someday I'll tell you about it. 
You see, it makes beautiful sense. Marge. Marge, wake up. Oh, oh, seven o'clock already. Here, I'll turn this blank thing off. Uh, oh, how I despise this little monster. Marge, I think I'm going to have a doctor look at you. Why? About your sleepwalking. What do you mean? Did I? Again? Yeah, last night. Why didn't you wake me? Well, it's dangerous to wake a person walking in their sleep. Besides, you didn't go far this time. Only over to the dresser and back. To the dresser? You were trying to open the bottom drawer. Oh, that's funny. We don't keep anything in the bottom drawer except some papers. And, and what, Marge? And your gun. That's right. My gun. Ralph, I don't remember getting up. You didn't remember the last time. Ralph, I'm frightened. Don't be frightened. Night when you come home, the doctor will be here. When Marge came home that night, I introduced her to Dr. Burroughs. And Doc was a very versatile guy. He could do anything for 50 bucks, except produce a license to practice medicine. I watched him working on it. Oh, he was doing fine. Physically, you are in good condition, Mrs. Jordan, but of course we, uh, we were never too concerned about your physical condition, were we? What do you mean? Oh, you must be frank. What do you have against this old man? Nothing, nothing at all. That's not true. But it is. What could I possibly have against him? The subconscious mind is a dark, bleak world. Somewhere in that subconscious is this hatred. Perhaps you resent him because his presence in your house is a symbol of your economic difficulty. No, I don't think that's it. Then why do you hate him? I don't hate him. I'm trying to help you. You're in grave danger. This hatred festering in your subconscious mind, it could even lead to murder. Me? Yes. Kill someone? Yes. I'd kill myself first. After that, my friend, the doctor, left. Marge made an error, but I didn't bother to correct her. You see, if my plan was right, she would kill herself, just as she said. But not before the murder. <laughs> no, indeed. When Mr. Hawkins came in that night, Marge and I were waiting for him. I uh, I want to talk to you, Mr. Hawkins. Oh, can you wait just a minute? My friend George is in the hall. I want to bring him down. Let to... your friend George wait. This won't take long. You'll have to move, Mr. Hawkins. Move? Yes. Some uh, friends are coming, and we need the room for them. I'm sorry, but you'll have to move. Well, where am I going to move to? Ain't you heard about the housing shortage? It's my house, Mr. Hawkins. I want you to move. Well, I'll bet you're still sore about this morning. I told I'm you... I'm not but... sore about anything. I just want you to move. All right. I guess I can find something in a couple of days. I want you to leave tonight, Mr. Hawkins. Tonight? I can't find another place tonight. Yeah, we ought to give Mr. Hawkins at least till tomorrow. I want him out tonight, Ralph. You know what? I got my rights. My rent's paid up till tomorrow night, and I'm going to stay till tomorrow night. All right. Tomorrow you move. You understand? Yeah, I understand, Mr. Jordan. Downstairs in the hallway, I could almost see Hawkins' friend George straining to catch every word of the argument. What an excellent witness friend George would be when the time came. And the time was at hand. 
After all this, let's go to sleep. No, Ralph. Huh? I'm not going to sleep. Why? I'm afraid to go to sleep. Honey, it's 1.30. You've got to get some sleep. If I go to sleep, I'm afraid I... Look, I've got an idea. What? You go to sleep. I'll stay out here and watch to see that you don't leave the room. Oh, I couldn't ask you. Well, you need to rest more than I do, Marge. Working as hard as you do. You go on to sleep, darling. I'll promise to watch. Well, all right. I'm pretty tired. Oh, Ralph. You're so considerate. But even in the bedroom, she didn't sleep. I had to get up and walk around. The bedroom light would snap off one moment and then snap back on the next. Starting to get jittery. Why didn't she go to sleep? This is the last night the old man would be in her house. This is my last chance. Why didn't she go to sleep? And then finally, she was asleep. It was almost four o'clock. I had to move quickly. I went over to the dresser and found the gun. Started getting nervous. This is a big payoff. My throat was very dry. I sat down the hall toward the old man's room. Me? Kill someone? I'd kill myself first. She didn't have a chance. I had no time to lose. It was already getting light. Me? Kill someone? I'd kill myself first. I was standing before the old man's bedroom door. I turned the knob and pushed against the door. I placed the chair on the other side for protection. I pushed the door open quickly. I wanted to finish this thing now. The old man awoke in terror. Hey, what's going on? I tore a pillow from the bed and pressed the gun barrel into it. It's muffled a shot. Hey, Mr. Jordan, what are you doing? didn't work out quite like you planned, did they? And this time, I'm very much awake. Yeah, I'm a peaceful man. I mind my own affairs, and in the middle of the night, he tries to murder me. Go back to sleep, Mr. Hawkins. I'll tell you everything in the morning. Coming, Ralph? Yeah. But listen, I want to... The gun, Mark. How did you... Before I dared go to sleep, I had to be sure I wouldn't kill the old man. So wasn't it perfectly natural I should remove the bullets from the gun? You took the bullets from the gun... And even then, you didn't go to sleep. No. For something bothered me. In spite of your doctor's efforts, I couldn't believe that I was capable of murder. I thought about it a lot, Ralph. And then I realized something else, too. What? I realized you no longer loved me. I began to understand all that's been going on. Now, get out of this house, Ralph. Ruthie, this is Ralph. Ralph, is everything all right? Everything fine? Oh, not exactly, sweetheart. Not exactly. Yeah, I didn't get the money like I figured. Something came up. I'll tell you all about it when I see you. But I'm I'm free now, Ruthie. Now I remember you told me that money wasn't nearly so important as us being together. Well, now we can be together. We don't need money. We Ruth, Ruth, Ruth. 
What number were you calling, sir? Oh, never mind, operator. I guess I'm all through. Down on Mystery Playhouse curtain for tonight, creeps. It's late, so good night. Sleep tight. Tonight's story by Max Ferguson is called Dark Side of the Mind. In the dream, you are falling. Lost in the listening distance as dark locks in. <laughs> Nightfall. Good evening. Do you know where your children are? I certainly hope they haven't met the central character in tonight's story. The play from the late-night pen of Max Ferguson is called Dark Side of the Mind. Detective McConnell. My men are going to comb every inch of this area, and you really aren't going to be any help to us standing around in the way. So would all of you please get the hell out of here? Uh, I suppose that's no way for a public servant to talk to his employer, Sergeant. But I'm in no bloody mood for niceties. Yeah, I know how you feel. Three murders in ten days. And nothing to go on. Not a shred. There's a whole lot of parents in this city terrified. They're not going to put up with much more of this. Oh, God. That must be the mother. Sergeant, this is going to be rough on her. Don't let her see the bruises that maniac left on the neck. Just uncover the face. That's all we'll need for an ID. Right, sir. Ma'am? Ma'am? Would you come this way, please? My name is McConnell. I'm sorry to have to ask you to do this. Would you just let us know one way or the other? Take me to her. Where is she? Sergeant? Yes, sir. Right over here, ma'am. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Something I could say to help. I'll no. have someone drive you home. No. All right, Sergeant. Okay, men, let's go. Five feet apart. To the far side of the ravine, then backtrack. We're going to keep at it till we find something. Something. 
while refusing to divulge any details, he told reporters that the three slayings which have shaken this community in the past ten days appear to have been committed by the same person. Meanwhile, funeral services for the tiny... That just makes me sick. Yeah, please. Well, I'm sorry, honey. I'm just upset and I'm we angry. all are, dear, but I don't think that I can't that think it's... of that child without being disgusted by the whole human race. I'm afraid I gave up on the human race a long time ago, Jeff. Look, there's one very sick mind out there somewhere. Nobody's denying that. But let's not dump on the you're whole right, world. You're right, honey. And besides, I thought this little dinner was supposed to be a happy reunion. After all, we haven't seen Carl in, what, 15 years? 15 years, Carl. Can you believe it? <laughs> That's a lot of water under the bridge, Jeff. Picture this, Verna. Yesterday afternoon, right? Busy Saturday, corner of Portage and Maine, wall-to-wall people, and I spot this guy. Well, I should hope you wouldn't forget that handsome star quarterback. <laughs> University. Oh, that's a long time ago, Myrna. Now, Carl, why don't you stay over, huh? One more day. Oh, yes, Carl, that's a great idea. Mm, no, no. Um, thanks all the same, but I've got to fly out tonight. Got a board meeting in Vancouver at 9 tomorrow morning. Matter of fact, the limousine will be here in about an hour. (laughs) I'd love to stay, really, I would. It's just that... uh... Well, let's hope it won't be another 15 years before we see you again. Oh, we're sure to bump into each other on some street corner. Bring your wife next time. I'd love to meet her. I doubt it. What? You mean you, you, you doubt you'll be able to bring her or that we'd love to meet her? Either way, Myrna. Uh, uh, Carl was telling me when you were out in the kitchen, Myrna, that uh, his wife is a dead ringer for you. Oh, for heaven's sake. Jeff, I didn't expect you to tell, Myrna. (laughs) Come on, girl. Not classified, is it? No, it's just that, uh, I don't think it's particularly flattering for a woman to find that she's a carbon copy of another woman. Carl, really? That doesn't bother me at all. Well, then. Maybe it should. Who's for more coffee? Carl? Please. Jeff? No, I'm fine, dear. That's fine, Emily. Emily? Myrna. I'm sorry. Myrna. Carl, my strong resemblance to your wife, does it bother you somehow? No, no. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, It's been a hectic couple of weeks in Winnipeg, trying to track people down. Closed deals, partying too late. (laughs) I guess I'm just a bit exhausted and cranky. Well, look, we've got an hour before you have to leave for the airport, so why don't we just take our coffee into the living room where it's more comfortable and put your feet up. Mm, I might be able to scrape up some brandy. Maybe a little Grand Marnier, Carl? Hmm? Brandy for me, Jeff. Mm, Okay, how about you, dear? I'll pass. Jeff was telling me you two lived in England for a couple of years. That's right, about seven or eight years ago. Jeff had been practicing here in Winnipeg after he got out of dental school, and then he decided to specialize, so off we went. Oh, we both loved London. Oh, the cost of living. And when his courses ended, we flew right back to good old Winnipeg. <laughs> good old Winnipeg. Oh, Carl, I know what you're thinking, but these dreadful murders could have happened anywhere. I mean, we don't have a monopoly on psychopaths. Maybe not, love, but I'll bet you Carl's relieved his kids are in Vancouver right now. I would be if I was a parent. Well, does it really make any difference? Wherever life has lived, you can't avoid its rottenness. Oh, Carl, come on now. No, I mean it, Myrna. Now, you notice it more when you get older. The optimism of youth starts to erode. Well, for better or worse, Carl, we can't turn the old clock back. Cheers. Cheers. 
unless those boys in the lab come up with the secret of eternal youth. That's <laughs> it. Make time stand still. Childhood could go on forever. Oh. The innocence and sweetness of childhood. Never having to end in heartbreak. Well, like I say, girl, you got to be patient. It might take another year or two. Uh, it doesn't have to. To achieve perpetual childhood. Well, I... I don't know about you two, but I find all this philosophy a bit ponderous, especially after a heavy meal. Carl, you haven't told us anything about your kids. How many have you? Pardon? Your children. How many have you? Oh, um, three. Three girls. Oh, how wonderful. Any pictures? Um, yes, yes, I think I have some here. Somewhere. <laughs> Notice the modesty, dear. Yeah. Now, proud fathers are never quite sure whether they have pictures of their kids on them. <laughs> Here they are. Oh, Carl, oh. they're adorable. Oh, look, Joe. Oh, yeah, she's really oh, a sweetheart. Oh, oh, boy, they really oh, are I'd something. I'd love to have a print sometime, Carl, if you could send us one. Why don't you just hold on to these? Oh, come on. oh Carl, no, no. We wouldn't dream of no, taking No, 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 I insist. I can, uh... I can get more. Besides, I'd kind of like to, well, share them. Well, I'm not above tucking them into my pocket and oh, passing them off as my own kids. <laughs> hey, can you just imagine the male hearts they're going to break in a few years' time? Mm -hmm. Mind you, Carl, I don't think they look much like their old man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Nothing, Carl. Come on. You know the old put-down. <laughs> ah, excuse me a second. I better get that. Oh, Jeff, not tonight of all nights. Oh, for life before the invention. Hello. Dr. Robbins? Yes? Doctor, it's Mrs. Walters. I I'm really sorry to have to call you at home, but my five-year-old has had a raging toothache. Uh, she's been crying all afternoon. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but... Uh... Well, actually, I do have company, Mrs. Walters. Uh, have you tried oil of cloves? Yes, and, and I've rubbed alcohol around the tooth, but neither seems to work. Could you possibly do, do anything for her? All right, Mrs. Walters, uh, bring her to my office. I'll head over now. I should be there in about 15 minutes. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Robbins. I, I feel so badly about That's all right, you. Mrs. Walters. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Oh, the joys of dentistry. I've got to go, I'm afraid. Oh, Jeff, is it really that urgent? I'm afraid so, honey. Carl, look, I should be back in about an hour. There's any chance you'll still be Sorry, here? Sorry, Jeff. I'll have to leave in about 30 minutes myself. Well, old man, it's been great seeing you again. I huh? enjoyed it, Jeff. Thanks for everything. And we won't let another 15 years go by, all you right? You bet. You <laughs> bet. See you, Jeff. I'll be back as soon as I can make it, dear. Jeffrey, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, sorry, dear. <laughs> Love you. Hurry back, sweetheart. Kisses and sweet talk. Much simpler just to say goodbye. Okay, Jenny, I think that'll do the trick. Here, rinse your mouth. Gee, didn't even hurt. <laughs> Now, you remember what I told you, Janie. You brush up and down, not back and forth. And if you do that twice a day, I won't have to see you again for at least 
Uh-oh. Down you get. Now, who knows I'm here at this hour of night? All right, where you go, Janie? Uh, I'll brush him every day. You tell your mom I can't chat right now. I've got to get this phone. Hello? Jeff? Yes, who's this? Brace yourself. It's Kitty Anderson. Kitty! Oh, this is tremendous. Where the heck are you? I, I just flew in 20 minutes ago. I'm still at the airport. Pride some mad money out of John. I've got three wild days in the big city. Oh, boy. Wait till Verna hears this. You call me yet? The second I got off the plane. But there's no answer, so I had to track you down through the yellow pages. Now, what are you doing at the office this time of night? <laughs> a little emergency. I'm just getting ready to leave. Well, serves you right for being a big, soft-hearted... Hey, Kitty, um, <laughs> did you say there was no answer at the house? Yep. Yeah, tried twice. The phone just rang. Well, I can't understand that unless Myrna's in the bathroom. She's certainly home. I left there less than an hour ago. She was having coffee with... Hey, 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 hey. It's your turn to brace yourself. Well, I'm braced. Okay, now go back about 15 years. Uh-huh. We're all at the University of Toronto together. Mm-hmm. Now, who's the big, handsome, number one heartthrob on campus? Oh, come on, Jeff. There were dozens of those. Well, yeah, but this one used to take you out, if I remember correctly. Now, sounds conceited, Jeff, but that's still not much of a clue. All-round superjock. Oh, come on, Jeff. I'm dying to know. Star quarterback of the varsity blues. Ta-da! Jeff, are you joking? Not a bit. Carl Langford is alive and well and having coffee in my living room. <laughs> hey, Kitty, you still there? I'm still here, Jeff. A little stunned, mind you. Ghosts out of the past always do this. Oh, I know what you mean. Yesterday I was standing at Portage of Maine. Jeff, sorry to interrupt, but... But, well, this is a pay phone, and people are getting impatient. Will, will you do me a favor? Sure thing. Well, I, I hate to ask this, Jeff, but I can I can see about a hundred people all heading out to the limousine pickup. Oh, Kitty, I'm embarrassed. Though. Why didn't I think of it? Forget the limousine. Of course I'll drive you in. And, Jeff? Yeah? Would it be out of your way to bring Myrna out with you? Kitty, if you drew a straight line from my office here out to the airport, it would practically pass through my living room. Of course I'll bring oh, her. Oh, that's great. Can't wait to see her. And you. It'll work out nicely. You two can get all the women talk out of the way in the back seat coming in from the airport, and then when we get home, the three of us can have a damn good visit, huh? <laughs> Don't tell her I'm in town, Jeff. Well, let's surprise her at the airport. Oh, she'll be pumping me all the way. <laughs> you know what Myrna's can like. Can you leave now, Jeff? Well, sure. You head over to the Air Canada Information Desk, and you give me five minutes to tidy up here. Now, and Jeff, I'll... please, could you leave right away? Well, yeah, I guess I can. Have I got time to put my coat on? I'm sorry, Jeff. It's just that, well, well, this place is so darn stuffy and crowded. Now, well, I just appreciate it. Kitty, I'm going out the door now. Oh, thanks, Jeff. You're a lifesaver. Lifesaver? Anybody home? Hmm. That's odd. Carl's coat's gone. Well, but Myrna wouldn't have gone with him. Are you in, Myrna? I'm upstairs, darling. Oh, did Carl get away all right? Carl left for the airport. I've got to find some place open to pick up some cigarettes. Uh, you in the mood for a drive? Hmm? Myrna? I've just washed my hair. Honey? Oh, damn. 
Ah, what the heck? She'll be just as surprised when she sees Kitty coming through the front door. (laughs) Okay, dear, I won't be long. Uh, excuse me, I was supposed to meet a young lady at the desk here. Would you know if there's a message for Dr. Robbins, Dr. G.H.? Jeff, Jeff, over here. Kitty! Hey, how are you? Gee, you're certainly looking... Jeff, where's Myrna? Well, now, Kitty, that's a long story. I just figured I might never get another chance to step out on the town with a gorgeous... Jeff, I'm serious. Will you please tell me where Myrna Kitty, is? Kitty, just relax, huh? I drove straight home after I talked to you, and I tried to trick Myrna into coming under the pretext of getting cigarettes, mm-hmm. only to find out she just washed her hair. Oh. So do I blow the whole surprise, or do I sneak out here and bring you back myself? Hmm? Well, hell, I thought I'd made the right choice. Sorry, Jeff. Oh, sure you made the right choice. Uh, is Carl still at your place? No, nah, I'm afraid not. In fact, he's probably out here right now. Might even bump into him. Jeff, will you take my bag? I want to get the hell out of here. Now, hold it, Kitty. Now, I've been getting some really strange vibes. Is something bugging you? Jeff, I've been uptight all evening, ever since I talked to you on the phone. Hey, hey, that's flattering. I can't explain it here. Come on. Let's get into your car and back to your place. Well, am I ever going to learn what this deep dark... In this car, Jeff, in the car. And I sure hope you've got some cigarettes. We're both going to need them. your cigarette? Now, what's all this about? It's about Carl. Oh, my God, Jeff. How can you possibly not have heard? Seven years ago, it was on the front page of just about every newspaper in Canada. Myrna and I were out of the country seven years ago, living in England. Now, what the hell are you talking about, Kitty? Seven years ago, Carl Langford was committed for an indefinite period to the mental institution at Penetanguishene. Penet? Well, that place is for the criminally insane. That's right, Jeff. Carl murdered Emily his wife. Kitty, is this some kind of a sick joke? I only wish it were, Jeff. All of us who knew Carl were stunned. Trial was ghastly. Went on for more than a month. Now, wait a minute. I'm still trying to grasp all this. It's unreal. I know, Jeff. You remember the Carl we all knew at university. Yeah. Something terrible must have happened to him. It may have begun when they lost their little girl. Ah, I didn't know... About that either. That was about a year earlier. His wife had been out for the afternoon with some of her girlfriends for a couple of cocktails. Well, she might have had one too many. I don't know. But anyway, she left the bar, picked up the little girl at school to drive her home, and... An accident? Drove into a bus. Not a scratch on Emily, but the little girl was thrown out. Struck her head against the curb. Oh, my God. She was dead when they got her to hospital. Carl must have taken that pretty hard. He really went to pieces. That's... This all came out at the trial. Carl started drinking heavily. Turned completely against his wife. It must have been pretty awful for... For Emily. Terrible. 
Not many mothers could bear being accused of murdering their child. Carl did that? He never let up, drunk or sober. He even called her a murderer in front of their friends. It's hard to believe. Well, I guess things got more and more desperate for about a year. Drinking getting heavier, the fight getting worse. Carl's mind's disintegrating. Finally, one night, he took a carving knife and slashed her throat. Oh. Oh, mother of God. I'm sorry, Jeff. Did Carl turn himself in? No. They didn't... They didn't find her body until almost a month later. What? Nobody even knew she was dead. Her mother would phone. Carl would explain that his wife was in the shower under the hairdryer getting dressed... Emily's mother came round to the house several times, only to have an apologetic Carl tell her his wife was out shopping, visiting a friend. Incredible. Oh, it gets sicker than that, Jeff. What do you mean? Well, after about a month of this strange runaround, Emily's mother became suspicious and the police were called in. What did they find? They talked to her. To Carl's wife? Yes. Carl met them at the door. The police explained that they wanted to speak with his wife. Carl was very polite and cooperative. He went upstairs to get her. The next thing the police knew, Emily was calling down from upstairs that the whole thing was outrageous. She was in her bath, but if they wanted to come up and take a peek, they were quite welcome, provided they didn't mind being sued for invasion of privacy. But Kitty, you just said all this happened after she'd been murdered. I, I don't understand. Well, you're no more confused than the police were, Jeff. They were both backing out the front door in total embarrassment when one of them decided to take Emily up on her invitation. He got to the top of the stairs and... and there was Carl in one of the bedrooms operating a tape recorder. He pre-taped her voice. Must have forced her to do it just before he killed her. I can't believe it. There were enough sentences in the tape to cover dozens of situations. What a crazy, demented... The sad thing is that when they lost their little girl, they didn't try to have more children. It was a tragedy, but perhaps if they'd gone ahead and had another... Kitty, Kitty, she wasn't their only child. What? Carl has three children, three little girls. Yes, I know for a fact there was only one. But Carl sat right in my living room early this evening talking about his three... Hey, wait a minute. Jeff, what is it? For God's sake, they're here, right in my jacket pocket. Carl wanted me to have them. Have what? Three snaps, one of each daughter. And here, take a look. Uh, There's a flashlight in the glove compartment. Here. Here. Jeff, believe me, Carl had one little girl, Anne, who died. A year later, he was committed to pentatanguishing indefinitely. So he must have been let out only recently. If he was let out... God, Kitty, you're not suggesting... Jeff, Carl is a murderer. They just couldn't have released him that soon. You wouldn't expect so. And why did he lie about those photographs? Could it possibly be... Oh, no. What, Jeff? Kitty, on the front page of the Free Press today, there's a shot of a little girl. They found her body in a field just outside the city. The third child in ten days. Oh, dear God. Carl was lying about those snaps. That little girl in the paper. Oh, Kitty, I feel sick. Jeff, are you suggesting that... I'm not suggesting anything, Kitty. I just know that I've got to get home fast.
a sec, Kitty. I, I don't want Myrna to know anything about this just yet. I understand. We could be totally wrong, and there's no point scaring the hell out of her with a false alarm. Oh, the light's still on in the bedroom upstairs. I don't think she's come down yet. Well, why don't we ease in quietly and get that paper? Right. Myrna. Myrna? Oh, thank God she's still upstairs. Come on, the paper's over here on the table. Now then, I'll just take Carl's snapshot and put it beside... Oh, oh God. Jeff, it is. It's the same little girl in both pictures. Yeah. Oh, God. Jeff, does, does, does this mean that Carl... Killed the other two. Yeah, I'm afraid it looks that way. Oh, no. Um... I'll call the police. You sit down, Kitty. Try to relax. I'll phone the cops. Uh, then we'll call Myrna down. Uh, do you want to pour three stiff ones? Oh, sure. Let her enjoy the surprise and, and, and then just try to break it to her as gently as we can. Here goes. These poor parents. Such sweet kids. He took their pictures before he did it. Sergeant Wayne. Uh, yes, this is uh, Dr. Robbins speaking. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Robbins? Yes, sir. I, um, I want to report some information. I think it could lead to the arrest of the, uh, of the man who... Uh, who um, Go ahead, sir. Uh, who murdered the, the three little girls. Just a moment, Dr. Robbins. Ron, can you pick this up on line three? Go ahead, Doctor. Well, it's hard to know where to start. The man in question, sir, to have his name. Yes, yes. Uh, his name is... I'm upstairs, darling. Jeff, Myrna's heard us. Carl left for the airport. Oh, dear God, no. Jeff, what's wrong? <laughs> sir, to have the man's name. I'm upstairs, darling. Oh, my God. No. No, the tape recorder. Carl left for the airport. Hello. Hello, what's going on? Dear God. He's still up there. Carl's still up there. I'm upstairs, darling. Carl left for the just heard Dark Side of the Mind by Max Ferguson. Tonight's cast featured Wayne Robson as Jeff, Patricia Collins as Myrna, Denise Ferguson as Kitty, and Peter Dvorsky as Carl, with Ann Butler, Maya Anderson, Larry Reynolds, and Alan Rosenthal. Audio engineering was by Brian Wood, assisted by David Hoyle. Matt Wilcott handled sound effects with the production assistance of Nancy McElveen. Our story editor is Earl Toppings. Dark Side of the Mind was produced and directed by John Douglas, and the coordinating producer of Nightfall is Bill Howell. And now, here's a final word from your host. <laughs> Hello again. Next week, 
we have a special animal for you. And we can't promise how he'll behave. The way he watches us. Look. Yeah. Like he's thinking. Like he's thinking? Thinking of what? Well, he is very intelligent. Now, Molly, that's ridiculous. Then why is he so watchful? Why doesn't he sleep? What do you mean? He slept at the foot of the bed all night. No, he didn't. How do you know? Because that every half hour, I turned the flashlight on him. Well? Every time, his eyes were wide open. Well, he's a watchdog. Fred, he was thinking. I can see it. Look, I can see him thinking now. The name of the dog by George Salveson, directed by John Douglas. Radio for animal lovers. That's next week on Nightfall. Until then, careful of the edge. the show for tonight I want to thank you all for listening and remember you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror 1970 or you can find me on Instagram at radio show nerd or on Twitter at radio show nerd one and if you want to drop me a line say hello make a suggestion a request a even a critique Respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe. Share the videos. Highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off.